Hi, I'm Brett Robinson. Welcome to the Redeeming Hope Podcast, where we share biblical truths that'll give you real hope. What is real hope? It's a hope that is relevant, energizing, authentic, and linked to Jesus. So we've been speaking about um, our life stories and what is the theme of our life story. You know, there can be many uh, different kinds of themes to our lives and the stories that we tell ourselves about our lives and the quality of our lives and the meaning that our lives have and also the kinds of stories that we tell others. And today I want to speak in particular about how to develop a life story that's full of hope. And let me start out by asking you a question. Is your level of hope determined by your circumstance? Well, that would be a very easy thing to happen. Well, you might say, well, Brett, the level of my hope at the moment is very high. Things are going well. You know, the job is good. Kid schooling is good. But then, like I ask you in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, and you go, nah, I'm not feeling so good. You know, I've been retrenched. Um, one of my kids is battling at school, and oh, I'm not feeling hopeful. I don't know how I'm going to make it through the year. <laughs> so is the level of our hope determined by our circumstance? Well, many times we tell ourselves that the level of the hope in our hearts and minds is determined by the circumstances of our lives. If we're honest, I think we can, we can all relate to that. But after all, this is reasonable and even understandable. However, this is not the way God has called us to live. God doesn't want us to live as victims of circumstance. He wants us to tap into our God-given potential and to rise above our circumstances. So I'd like to give you a couple of examples from the Word where God illustrates how He wants us to rise above. Well, in Genesis chapter 1, we read how God blessed mankind and set him above all the animals of the earth. However, ever since then, it seems as certainly as long as I can remember, secular philosophy has always tried to reduce us from being above the animals to being at the same level of the apes. <laughs> Psalms 8 uh, verse 6 says this, You made him rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. So God set us above. In Genesis chapter 6, God caused Noah to float above the, uh, water, the flood waters. In Joshua, we read how God told him that he had put all things under his feet. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 3 in the Amplified, it says, I have given you every place upon which the sole of your foot treads. So God put him above. And the, it says in Deuteronomy 28, verse 13, And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. So the Lord has made us the head and not the tail. He set us above and not beneath. In Psalms chapter 8, verse 4 and 5, it says this, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You made them a little lower, and some translations say, than angels. But the actual word in Hebrew for that is Elohim, 
which is the same word in Genesis that's used for God, the creator. So we can actually read that, uh, the following, you made him a little lower than God and crowned him with glory and honor. And in Psalm 40, verse 30 and 31, it says this, even youths grow grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. See how we see that's God's plan and purpose for us to soar above all the troubles. So I want to ask you, um, because it seems like with God's intent and purpose for us to be above, but nonetheless in this earth we know we have difficulties, we have struggles, and the question I put you at the start is how do we develop a life story full of hope? It seems unreasonable in light of all the um, twists and turns of life and the unforeseen challenges and difficulties and trials to live a life full of hope. How can we live a life with a hope that's not dictated to by our circumstances? It seems unreasonable. But is reason really the gold standard for life? (laughs) Our typical approach to the kind of rising above type faith that we've spoken about is, well, that's all good and well, but it's just not that reasonable. And in the natural, that's very understandable. In fact, we trained from a young age by parents, uncles, aunts, grandparents, teachers, and so on, to please just be reasonable. (laughs) So we learn from a young age to be reasonable. In fact, how many times have you wished for your toddler to be reasonable, your teenager to be reasonable, your spouse to be reasonable. Teenagers wish their parents were reasonable. Employees wish their bosses were reasonable. Bosses wish their employees were reasonable. And we all wish that our clients were reasonable. (laughs) All right. As we look at this topic of being reasonable or not, I need to, for the sake of context here, that saying being unreasonable is not admirable if it's motivated by selfishness, greed, pride, and the resulting actions will hurt people or nature. Being unreasonable is admirable if it's motivated by love, a vision to uplift people and to bring healing and reconciliation. The thing is, though, as we look at history and the history of human achievement, that very few exceptional people who are visionaries or highly creative people are remembered as being reasonable. In fact, they are often non-conformists. I'd like to give you some examples. Ed Sheeran started out busking on the street. He was turned down by numerous record labels. By his own confession, he wasn't the best vocalist and sometimes even sang a bit out of tune. (laughs) But as he started finding success, instead of doing the right thing and forming a band like everyone else, he multi-tracked everything in real time with a pedal. So for those of you who are not sure what I'm saying, he starts recording and then he clicks a button and then it plays back and then he loops another track on top of that, it records that, he clicks the button, and then he loops another track on that to basically build the whole soundtrack 
instead of having a bunch of musicians playing with him. Then he did the craziest thing, because everyone knows white guys should not rap. <laughs> but he chose as a white guy to merge rap with English singer, songwriter, folk music. But did you know that today he's the biggest selling solo artist in the world? Completely unreasonable. Steve Jobs completely backed the technology trend and launched Apple computers when the whole world was on PCs and using Microsoft. However, despite his brilliant idea, he had a tumultuous start and he ended up losing the company. So he started a new project, but it had only nominal success. But then he was brought back to revive and to take over Apple once again. At the time, portable music was dominated by the Walkman. Anyone remember those? Putting your tape into that tiny little cassette player? So he launched the iPod, which quickly became the best-selling portable music player the world had ever seen. Cell phones started becoming more and more popular, and soon everyone had one. But the world was dominated by cell phones with tiny screens and physical keyboards. Anyone remember those keyboards where you had two to three letters on one key and you had to push it sometimes three times to get the letter that you want? So to write one word, sometimes it was like 12 presses, you know? And then they brought in predictive text that was like, uh, is this really helpful? You're not quite sure. Then BlackBerry brought out the physical keyboard where every button had its own letter. That was revolutionary. But Steve Jobs launched a phone with only a screen and no physical keyboard. And the iPhone was born. And all the Apple aficionados were like, ah, at long last. <laughs> all the Android fans are like, ah, whatever. <laughs> we all know Samsung copied Apple. Okay, let's move on. Apple has since become the most valuable company in the world. Completely unreasonable. Last example. Jesus backed all reasonable and religious trends of his day. His mother was pregnant with him before she was married. Can you imagine what people said? Despite being royalty, he was born in a lowly stable. But wise men found him by following a star and brought gifts fit for a king. As a child, he already confounded the so-called experts of the day with his knowledge and understanding. He launched his ministry after not eating for 40 days. I don't know about you, that doesn't sit well with my, <laughs> with my level of reason. <laughs> I don't think, you know, in the natural eye, many of us are going to be feeling great after not eating for 40 days. His first miracle, this really backs what we all thought he should do. Instead of healing someone, he turns water into wine at a wedding. <laughs> Jesus, what were you thinking? <laughs> How can you launch a ministry like that? <laughs> he backed the religious establishment who could have promoted him and endorsed him and opened many doors for him. His life on earth was ended by dying a cruel and shameful death normally reserved for criminals. And then things get even more crazy. Instead of staying dead, like everyone else, he's resurrected to life on the third day. And then when he leaves the earth, he does so by defying gravity 
and rising slowly through the air until he disappears from sight. All completely unreasonable. <laughs> George Bernard Shaw said this, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 19 says this, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. So, yes, it seems unreasonable to live with a hope that is not determined by the circumstances of our lives. How could we possibly do that? It seems unreasonable. Well, Isaiah 55 verse 9 to 12 says this, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. What an unreasonable thing for God to say. <laughs> we thought uh, Tolkien and um, the books of Narnia had uh, crazy ideas. But that's what God has to say prophetically about his people, about his church, about you and I as believers, that we would go out in joy and be led forth in peace. You see, God has called us in this context to live an unreasonable life and to buck the trend of the world. Living a life full of hope by the world's standards is unreasonable. Perhaps even some might argue unobtainable. And that's the very reason why the world needs us. Light always burns brightest in the darkest night. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 5 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. God's truth cuts through the darkness. Some people will embrace it, and some people will rage against it, because it's completely incompatible with their worldview, and they will argue completely unreasonable. <laughs> but looking at all this, is there still then a place for reason? Well, just because many things that Jesus did and said seemed unreasonable, does this mean that we throw out all reason? Not at all. It means that we change the reason. Jesus is the reason us to live with an unreasonable amount of hope. A hope that will never die, a hope that will never fade, a hope that will never disappoint. Jesus is the reason for the hope that we have. When Jesus is our reason, then everything else starts to make sense.
I'd like to propose to you, seeing as we are speaking about ourselves as being the light of the world and living with an unreasonable amount of hope, that you consider a radical conversation starter. Next time someone says to you, how are you? Instead of saying, fine, or okay, or well, under the circumstances, rather say, actually, I am very, very hopeful. Then keep quiet. <laughs> they'll probably look at you with a shocked expression, and in their minds they'll probably be thinking, maybe they just don't know how bad it is out there. But what they will actually say is, why? Because at this point, they're desperate to know why you would actually say that. And I would like to suggest you do the following. Don't try to give them a whole meal. Just give them a bite to arouse curiosity and get them thinking and to get them talking. And I'm going to call these hope bites, bites of hope. So here's some ideas after they ask why. Well, Eskim keeps dumping us in the dark. But God keeps lighting me up. The poor economy is trying to sink us, but God is causing me to float like a boat. I used to be like a sinker, but now I'm like a cork. Life keeps pushing me under, but God makes me pop right back up. <laughs> I'm sure that if you sat down, you could brainstorm a few of your own. We're going to end off with this verse that reminds us how important it is for us to have the hope of God floating at the top of our minds, ready to share with others. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, it says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And I think that when we share that the hope that we have with gentleness, people don't feel like we're being pushy, we're trying to preach at them, we're trying to evangelize them, we're trying to convert them. We're just saying, yeah, I used to, you know, be down about things. I used to struggle, you know, I felt confused, I felt down, but then I met Jesus and things changed for me. Now, yes, I still go through difficulties, but no matter what I'm going through, and then we share something short but meaningful to us. And you know what? Even if they just go, oh, okay, it'll get them thinking about how satisfied and how content and how peaceful they are. And how come that you've got Jesus, you don't feel like that. You found peace. You have found joy. You have found contentment you found meaning and purpose in life. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. I pray that the message of God's Word will build your faith and develop a hope that is so strong it's like an anchor for your soul. Go ahead and subscribe and why not share the message with a friend.